0: Masechet Kiddushin Daf Pe. On Bet, we're going to see the Mishnah about the laws of Yichud. Uh, but now we come to a very interesting and important Mishnah. Mi sheyasahu v'yistol medinat Hayam, u'bahu v'yistah ubana ve'amar isha ya sheyasat imi lemedinat Hayam hareh hizo ve'elu baneha en srichim navi reya lo al haisha ve'lo al ha'banim. We're talking about: Do well, what does well, someone have to prove that his kids are his own? Uh Generally, we don't, right? If someone comes. And, you know, we establish that uh, the parents are uh, we know who the parents are and uh, we establish their lineage and the marriage is proper and all that. And they say, here, here, these are our kids and this is my son. He's going to get married. So we assume that this is uh, this is their son or this is their daughter. Um, They grew up together. So uh, they generally don't have to bring a proof, um, some kind of biological proof that uh, your kids are actually your kids. Um, So now we deal with this in a case where someone goes away on a trip and comes back. Uh, We have uh, four different cases. The first one, a person goes on a trip, he with his wife, and they go away for uh, uh, however long, maybe a few years. And then he comes back, he with his wife and his children. He had children uh, while he was there. And he comes and says, this is the wife that I left with. To uh, overseas, and uh, this is her. I came back with her, and these are her children. So, therefore, the, their their lineage. Uh, once we, assuming we checked out the wife before they uh, before they left when they got married, and we established what her lineage is, um, so then we can assume that these are her children, and so this is, this is their children, and there we don't have to check the lineage. So, in this such a case, we do not. She doesn't have to have to bring any proof now regarding the woman and now going the children now going the woman because it's the very same woman that we was married here so we could recognize her okay this is the same same wife and not with the children either, because we assume it's the same children. Why do we assume that these are in fact her kids? Maybe they're just some random kids that they picked up uh, picked up along the way, or someone else's children. Gemidah will explain, because the kids are clinging to their mother, and so we assume that uh, that's theirs. It's kind of like today, if you travel uh, domestic with kids, you don't have to prove, you don't need any identification for the kids. You say, this is my kids, and they, and they let them on the plane. They don't even have to check the names. Or that they're your kids. Um, that's assuming that the kids are like you know nice and quiet and um, uh, going along with you. Um, if the kids are like you know yelling and saying, "Why stop kidnapping me? I want my real mom." Um, then probably the, um, uh, uh, the TSA guards will uh, bring you into questioning and say, and then you'd have to uh, f- uh, figure out some proof of why your kids are saying this. Are, are they actually your kids? So that's the same thing here. Um, the family comes back and the, the kids are clinging to their mom, which is as usual. Then we assume that that is in fact the mom. And so the father does not have to bring any proof regarding um, any of them. Second case A guy goes uh, overseas and he uh, and, and he said, and he comes back and says, "Listen, my wife died while overseas, but these are her sons. um so then he has to bring proof regarding the children that they are in fact children of that of of that mother. It brings some kind of proof for that, but he doesn't have to bring proof about her because we know her lineage from before that, before we left, before they left. So we know who the mother is, and as long as you establish that these are the kids, so the kids will have that lineage. Third case, Now it's going to be the inverse. The guy goes away and he's single, and when, while, while he's overseas, he gets married, so he comes back, um, with a wife and children, and he says, "Um, I'm got married overseas. This is my wife, and these are her kids." In that case, he has to prove uh, regarding his wife, he has to prove her lineage, right? What is she? Is she, uh, Jewish? Not Jewish? Mamzer? Khalala uh, can she marry a kohen? whatever with all the things that you'd have to prove if he's a kohen that then he has to prove that uh, she is marriageable to a kohen and once you uh, uh, once you prove her status um then you don't have to say anything about the kids because the kids are clinging to her, so then you can assume that these are in fact her kids um, if he comes back and he says um she my I married overseas and she died, but these are her children. So now he went single and then he comes back and with um with just kids and he says, Well, this is from a wife that I married over there, but you don't know her. So then he has to bring proof for everything, since they don't know who this who this wife is, because she didn't live around here. So he has to bring proof regarding who the wife was and her lineage. And also there's no clinging proof because it just has a bunch of kids here. And so we don't know if this is, if these kids. Uh, were from this this woman that he's talking about, so he has to bring proof for that as well. All right, that's the Mishnah. Rabbanah says, when do we believe? When do we say that you don't have to bring proof that the kids are really theirs? That this this mother is the mother of these children only if they're clinging to her. But if they're yelling and screaming and trying to run away and saying, "I want my my real mom," then uh, there's uh, obviously something wrong. Okay. Tenor Rabbanan. Isha nasati be Hayam. ve'en banim, u ve'en Aya ala ketanim. We have a braita that's going to expand on the Mishnah. In the third case of the Mishnah, where he comes home and he says, Listen, I have the, this wife I married overseas, and here's the kids. So then he has to bring proof regarding the wife. What's her lineage? But the kids are clinging to her, so he doesn't have to bring any proof that these are her kids. Um, he has to bring a proof. Or, oh, however, now now this, that, that we know already, this the uh, Badanta is adding. But he does have to bring a proof regarding the adult children, but not about the little children. This reason for clinging that works for the little children—they're clinging after their mom. That's fine. But now there's some uh, some uh, bigger children there, uh, that are adults, so that they need their own proofs. However, when is this true that you don't need proofs that the minor children are uh, are born from this mother? Only when there's only one wife, but if there were two wives, then you would have to bring a proof um, on for the for the wives, and for the children, both adults and the and and, and minors, uh, Rashi says this is talking about a case where um, he comes back. He says I had two wives um, and I had children from both of them back in the other country. One died, and so now he's coming with only one wife. Uh, Rambam says he actually shows up with two wives uh, there. Uh, this might reflect the difference between uh, Rashi, who was living in Ashkenaz, where they did not allow um, polygamy, you know, so that would be he you know, had one wife. Maybe Maybe she died or divorced, and then he married another one after. And Ambam is talking about a case where, yeah, he has two wives, and he shows up with two wives. Okay, so in this case, um, uh, because we have these, uh, there's one woman there. Uh, we'll follow it as she and uh, the there, and there's kids there, but some of the kids are hers, some are not. The fact that they're clinging to her isn't because she's the real mom. It could be that this is the stepmom, but they still love the stepmom. She uh, brought brought them up. Um, so uh, he says, listen, there's two wives, so we don't know which one's which. And so we have to. We need proof about who is who is the mother. What's her mother's lineage of each of the women, and we need proof about which um, kids are the children of this one and that one. Resh Lakish says that when you the the fact that the kids are attached in the cases above. In the Mishnah where we say we don't need proof that the, the clinging of the kids is enough proof. Reshaqish says that's only enough proof regarding Kodashim that you can eat outside of the outside of outside of Israel. That's referring to Tiduma which is only to Rabbanan outside of Israel. That's, the, the clinging proof is only good enough for uh, the fact that these kids uh, will be able to eat Terumah. Um, let's say if, they're, uh, if the father is a Kohen and uh, she is um, someone who is fit to marry a Kohen, so therefore the kids can eat Terumah, that's, that's enough but for yohasin when those kids want to come and get married and we're going to have to decide if they're going to if they're going to marry a kohen or whoever they're going to marry we we need to make sure that the the lineage is proper then we will need proof or eventually we're going to need more uh, more uh, and better proof, this uh, clinging thing is only good enough for Terumah. Riyochanan says, no, even for your Hassin. you have a family, they come, the kids are clinging to their mom, you assume that that's, that, that's them, and even for marriage purposes, you can assume if the parents are good, then the children are also good. as Rabbi Yochanan is consistent with something else he said, Rabbi Yochanan says that we'll give someone lashes based on a chazaka. This over here is is a chazaka. Usually if the kids are clinging to their mother, then they are they are the children the biological children of the mother and based on that we would give someone lashes i will give examples or we can give sikila or serefa stoning or burning punishments um based on a a presumption however regarding teruma, teruma that becomes tameh, you can't you, you can't eat it kohan can't eat it but all you have to all you could do is burn it you can benefit from the burning you can uh, burn it for light or for heat but you do have to but you can't. Uh, Get any other? You can't eat it. Um, so, um, but you can only burn tirumah if it's tame. If it's tahor, you're not allowed to burn it. Then you have to eat it. So, if we have a chazaka regarding some, some tirumah over here that it's tame. But is not good enough, so we find we won't eat it, but we're not going to be able to burn it either, because only chazaka. You need better proof that it is tameh in order to burn it. We'll have to just leave it in limbo. Okay, so that's Yochanan. Chazakah works for these punishments, but it doesn't. It's not sufficient for burning teruma. Now let's explain. Mal'kin yudah, yudah, ba'ala mishum nida. When would we uh, give someone lashes based on a chazakah as a rav yudah? said, let's say a certain woman is known to be a nida at, at this time period by her neighbors. The neighbors, they, are, they all talk to each other and watch each other and what they do and how they dress, and so the neighbors know that she uh, this woman was nida during this, uh, uh, this uh, time period, and there's witnesses that the husband uh, was, uh, slept with her during that time. The punishment for sleeping with a nida is malkut. So even though it's only chazaka, we don't have proof that she is what is was Nida at this time, but based on the Khazaka of, of the of the neighbors she will get Malkut. So that's the first case. So Kim the Surfinal Chazakot Kediraba Barabuna Damara Ba Barabuna Ish V tinok veTinoket Vitinochet Shegdulubato Kabaiit is Kalin Nisrafin Srafin Zealze. The case of Sekila and based on the Chazaka, is what Rabah Bada Rav says. Let's say you have a man and a woman, a boy and a girl, who all grow up in a house together. So the assumption is that this is a family, and that these children uh, are the son, is the son and daughter of this uh, of, of this woman. Um, and it could be that this the father is also their father, or not, or it could be that it was her children from a previous marriage. Doesn't matter. Um, and then we have a testimony that the mother had relations with the boy, so then um, there's a chazakah that they are related. And if they're related, then that's incest and that relationship um, deserves stoning. And so you would stone even though there's no proof that, um, that this son is in fact the biological child of the mother. But the fact is that they grew up together as a family, that's a chazakah, and based on that assumption, is strong enough to give them sekilah. Or if the father was with this girl, then even if it's not, he was not the father, even if it's just his wife's daughter. That is sufficient to uh, make that also erva, and the punishment for that would be serefa. And so again, here, even though there's no proof that this daughter is the biological daughter of the of the of the um, woman in the house, um, but we assume that it is so because they grew up together. And so this is going to be, if not if even if it's not the father, it's still his wife's um, daughter, and that requires serefa. That's the chazakah for those punishments. Amar Rebi Shimon ben. And we have an actual case, quite amazing, a case of actual capital punishment of a a, a woman that came to Yerushalayim and uh, she had a a child riding on her shoulders and she brought him up and then they one time had relations Um, and so they came to Betin and the Gave them, stoned them, not because we know for sure that there was, this was a child, there was no proof, but because uh, he clung to her, that's sufficient proof that um, this is her biological child, and so they did in fact stone them. Um, again, we you know we don't have stoning, it's not very often, once every 70 years is even would be a cruel court, but okay, once in 70 years this is the case. Where um, uh, where such uh, capital punishment uh, might have been given. The last statement of Rabbi Yochanan is that we're not going to burn Terumah only based on the Chazaka, that is Tameh. We need proof that is Tameh. This itself is subject to a machloket. Rabbi Yochanan says, we do burn um uh Tiruma, even just based on a chazakah, Bi'ochanan says no, we don't. Vazdule ta'amayu, and they are consistent with what they say elsewhere. Ditanan tinok shenimzab esad ha'isa basek biyado. Rabbi Meir metaher chamim metamein mipnesh ad gutar ko You have a a small child, uh, a baby or a toddler. Um, that is next to a, uh, a piece of dough, and this uh, toddler also has some dough in its hand. Um, so uh, it, the assumption is that toddlers um, touch all kinds of things. They go outside, they play with uh, dead uh, mice and rats and uh, lizards. That's what they like to do. That's you know, um, in the olden days they would go play with those things. Um, they didn't have so many toys in the house. So uh, the assumption is that uh, toddlers are tame. They're always touching all kinds of things and. And so now he has a piece of dough in his hands um, and there's a piece of dough on the table so it is the dough in his hands from that, and that would mean he touched he touched the dough on the table and made it tame. Do we assume it is or not? Is machloket in this mishnah? It says the says the dough on the table is tahor. Oh, so what? There's a baby nearby and with dough in his hands. We don't know for sure. Hachamim say it's tame because it's the way of kids to handle things. Kids are always touching, poking, taking, and um, uh, since that's the usual thing that kids do, we can assume the dough in the in his hands is from the dough on. the the table that he touched, and the kid is most likely Tameh. Now, and Ba, we analyze this Mishnah. So Tameh, did it be me'ir? So it's interesting when we have an analysis of a Mishnah in Masechet Teharot, because there is no Talmud, uh, not Bavli and not Yerushalmi, on Masechet Taharot. So did the rabbis learn Taharot the answer is yes. Even though it's true, there's no Talmud. There never was a Talmud. It's not that there used to be and we lost it. Um, uh, there never was a Talmud, a full Talmud composed on Teharot. Um But you see from here that the rabbis did study it and their discussions are quoted elsewhere, like here. Okay, so when we studied that Mishnah, we uh, we asked, what is the what is the reason for the Bimeeer for saying that the dough is tahor? Kasaba So the bhimee says, majority of toddlers touch things. But there's a few, a minority, that keeps their keep their hands to themselves. They're properly trained and well behaved. Um, now, the dough itself has a chazakah that is tahor, right? The adults who, uh, who, who made it, they made sure that it would be tahor and left it there, you know, and, and uh, the adults, uh, so would they, the adults know it was tahor from before, so it's a chazakah that is tahor, so you need something to ruin that chazakah. So, we'll take the mi'ot and the chazakah together. Since there's a minority of kids, that keep their hands to themselves, and there is a chazakah, so we'll join those two together, and that will be stronger than the majority of kids that touch things. So even though if we had just a majority and a minority, we would follow the majority, but the fact here is that we have a chazakah of tahara that uh, joins together with the minority, that makes the minority st- even stronger than the majority, and therefore, we can assume that um, the chazakah remains in his place. And the fact that this kid got the dough, he got the dough from somewhere else. Someone gave him a piece of dough. And this is the type of kid who keeps his hands to himself. And the banan say, a minority? Well, kids that keep their hands to themselves, that's such a minority. We, don't even, we ignore it. And instead, we, the, we have uh, a majority of kids that touch things. And versus a chazakah, that the dough was tahor before, so it should continue to be tahor. But when you have a majority versus a, a presumption, the majority wins. And we assume that the kid came and touched the dough and made it tamer. Okay, that all that was the discussion of that mishnah. Now, where do we see that azdu <laughs> Amaihu? Amar reshakish mishum rabbi o'sha'ya, zo she surfin aleha eta teruma. amar, en zo chazaka surfin aleha teruma. Reshakish said, this example right here, the opinion of Rabbanan, that we assume, right, Rabbanan said, that we um, uh, we assume that the kid touched it and therefore it's tame. Um, so this would be this is exactly the case of uh, something. If this is Hala, like teruma, has to be in betahora And if not, you have to burn it. So the shakish says this is a case that you would burn um, teruma. It's also the same situation where you had um, some teruma that was tahor and then the kid is nearby and he has some of the same type of produce in his hand. And um, we assume that the kid touched it, and therefore that 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 uh, assumption based on the Rav is so strong that you would even burn it. That's a shakish. The Khanan says no. This is not called a presumption that we would burn it, uh, burn upon it. In other words, in this case, it's uh, we're not sure. We have to set it aside. It could be that the kid touched it. And it would be Tameh, but maybe the kid didn't touch it, and has a Chazakah that it was Tahor, and maybe there's a type of kid that doesn't touch things. It could be this way, it could be that way. So you know what? You have to leave it aside, you can't eat it, and you can't burn it. So that's the uh, example of Reshakish that says we do not follow a presumption in order to burn so rather, what would be a case? Rabbi Ochanan does agree that there are some cases where we can burn Teruma based on a Chazakah, although not that case, because that case is too uh, wishy-washy, but there's a, a more, uh, a stronger case. Even though it says Ditnan, this is actually a Brayta let's say you have a piece of dough in the house and in the house is all kinds of creepy crawly things creepy crawlies are these um these things uh lizards and a skink and a gecko um and a chameleon uh these are some of the eight sherasim if they are dead, then they cause. Uh, a high level of impurity. So in the house you have lots of lizards and chameleons all around, and there are also frogs in the house. Frogs are not one of the shirasim. A dead frog, as gross as that might be, does not cause tumah. Um, okay, so you have uh, so they're all over the place. And now in the dough we find some pieces of uh, some you know legs of 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 things uh, that we don't know it's not a whole thing so we don't know if this is a a frog leg or a piece of a lizard or whatever it's in the dough okay this is very gross i don't think we would eat the dough Um, but anyway the question is is it tahod or tameh so we look if most of the creeping things around the house are one of the eight shirasim then you have to assume that the limbs in the dough are from shirasim and it's tameh but if the majority of the things in the house are hopping around and they are frogs, then the, we assume that the pieces in the dough are frog legs and the dough is tahor. Uh, so here you see that this is a case where Rabbi Yochanan would say we would follow the majority. Um, and so this is a, a stronger, this is a stronger majority than the other one, um, because the, it's it's right here. You can actually, you know, kids like, you know, most kids do this. One kid doesn't do that. Um, that's harder to quantify. Here you can actually go around and, and look around and see how many frogs there are, how many shirasim there are in the house. So here, if it's a majority shirasim, then even though it's not a hundred percent sure, but this is sufficient of an assumption that you could take this dough and you can burn it if it's a teruma. en da'at li'sha'el chachamim bahem da'at li'sha'el tinok ve'od acheret. We have a Baraita that supports b'ohanan that says um, there are two items that you can't ask it uh, any question, but we make it as if you ask it a question. This relates to a general law that if something is in a safek in a private domain, but it relates to a person who can talk, then you ask the person, you know, you were here. Did you touch this? Did you not touch this? So then, um, uh, depending on what their answer is, you could decide if it's Tameh or Tahor. Um, and if you're not sure, then you have to presume in a private domain that it's Tameh. However, if it's usually, if it's something that's inanimate and you can't ask, then even in private domain, you can assume that it's Tahor. However, an exception to this rule, there are two things that, even though you can't ask them questions, nevertheless, we make it as if it's a person like a person that you can ask a question to and therefore we presume when it's afek, we presume that it's tame and what are the two things? A case of tinok and another case. The tino- case of a tinok. Tinok had amaran. That's the, the the case that we talked about of the kid holding a do- holding a piece of dough. And uh, where we c- you can't even know, you know it's a toddler. So the kid can't talk. You ask him, you know, where'd you get this dough from, and he just says blah blah something. So since we can't even though we can't ask him, but we don't consider it like an inanimate object. We consider it like a person who who can talk but doesn't know, and therefore we leave it. In in and that is what Rabbi Ochanan said. So that's a, that Brayta supports Rabbi Ochanan. Rabbi the Braita also said that there's another case. What's the other case? Oh, Isab betochabayt mashkin temein sham. Um, this is yet another one of uh, you have some dough, um, and it's in the house, and there are chickens and uh, in or, or nearby, and there's also impure liquid that's also all all there, all that is in the house. Um nikurin nikurin ba'isa tolin lo ochlin velosorfi velosorfin and we see little holes in the dough, like chickens pecked in it. Um, so then we oh, we have to worry that maybe the chickens went and they uh, drank from uh, touched the impure liquid and then they went and they pecked in the dough and transferred the tumah to the dough as well um, by moving by, by transferring the liquid onto it. So, but we're not sure if they did or or not. So in that case, also we have to uh, just leave it on the side. You can't eat it because maybe it's tame, but you can't burn it because maybe it's tahor. And it's Tirumah. Uh, so Rabbi Yosheh ben Levi uh, qualifies as Brayta and says that's only true that you don't know what it is and you have to leave it there if it's clear liquid, uh, white meaning clear. Um, but if it's red liquid or you know, something that would be noticeable, well then, if the chickens went and took that, that liquid and pecked on the in the dough, then you would see it, right? You would see because it would be colored red. Um, and so therefore, if it's not colored red, then you can assume that it's tahor and you could eat it. Um, so you wouldn't have to leave it in limbo. V'tima uh, belatin Hold on. Well, but maybe the dough absorbed the liquid. Right? It did. It maybe even if it was red, it went and uh, it pecked it. And then the the, the red uh, color went uh, went in and was absorbed and that's why you can't see it. Rabbi Yochanan says, lo says that this tradition, that Rabbi Yochanan ben thats the distinguished one—that um, he he said that he reported. Um, yes, he reported a tradition um, that there's a qualification on, on that baraita between two types of liquids. However, its exact interpretation he did not hear, and so therefore did not transmit. But this is the um, a clarified version of what he said it's not the difference between white and red because both of those might get absorbed by the dough and and then uh, you wouldn't know um, but rather uh, so and so therefore it would be a problem no matter what um, so that would not be a qualification whether it was white or red you'd still have a problem and wouldn't be able to burn it rather the correct interpretation is as follows when did the bright say that we don't know if it touched it or not or if the if the liquids are on it or not and therefore you have to leave it in limbo. That's only if it was a clear liquid such that you can see a reflection of a child in it. So then that kind of clear liquid, <clears throat> um, if it, even if it was there, it might have gotten absorbed. So we don't know if it got absorbed in this time, or if the chickens never transfer the liquid and hard, that's we have to leave it in limbo. But if the uh, liquid is murky, um, that that it's all like you know thick and dirty, then if the uh, chickens um, put this uh, murky liquid on the dough, then it would leave a mark. It will leave a stain. Uh, it wouldn't all get absorbed. Um, so it's not as sufficient that it be um, you know white or red. Even something red might get absorbed, but something murky and thick. Uh, would not get totally absorbed, and so if if it's a murky liquid and we don't see any sign of the murky liquid on on the dough, then we can assume that the chickens just pecked it, but didn't transfer any liquid from it. And in that in that case, the dough would be for sure tahor. The next Mishnah teaches law yitkhadet adam im shteh nashim av isha achat im shteh anashim one man is not allowed to be secluded with two women but one woman is permitted to be secluded with two men the gemara will explain the difference beishmanomed af isha achat mitkhadet im shteh nashim bizman sheishtoi ma veyeshmen ben pod ki vepnesh ishto mesha marto the beishman says a man can be secluded with two women as long as his wife is there, or is is one of them or is with them and they can even sleep together in the same inn as long as he is there a man and his wife are there and uh, and there's another woman there because his wife will uh, protect him his wife will make sure if uh, you know, make make sure that nothing happens between her husband and that other woman uh, but if it's not his wife if it's just two women, then one, the one woman will not necessarily stop um, any sin from happening between the other woman and the man. A person can be secluded with his mother or his daughter and even sleep uh, uh, um, next to them, um, without clothes on. Generally, in the olden days, most people slept without clothes on. N- not as as common today. So the point is here that a a um, 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 a father can uh, sleep in the same bed as his daughter, or a mother in the same bed as his son, as her son. Um, but that's only if they are small, if they're if they're children, if they're minors. But if they if they grew up. Then they have to be clothed. Um, They can sleep in the same bed, but only if they have clothing on. All right. That is the Mishnah. Um, what is the reason uh, for the Mishnah in the beginning to make a distinction between uh, one man and two women and two men and one woman um, because it says in a Baraita from the school of Eliyahu that women are, are light of mind meaning um, easily uh, seduced or convinced of something this phrase actually comes right out of Greek sources say exactly the same thing Um, uh, that uh, they're light of mind and can be easily convinced. Therefore, if you have two men and one woman and uh, one of them, uh, uh, one of the men, and uh, the woman uh, think of uh, starting to fool around, the other man will stop them and say, hey, you're not allowed to do that. Stop that. And so we can be sure that one man will stop them or report them if they did that. But if there's two women and one man, then the one man might convince the other one, hey, does don't say anything, it's okay, you know, and he may sin, and and um, be able to seduce or convince the other woman, and she won't stop them. So um, uh, that's why um, that would be a problem of yichud, whereas two men would not be a problem of yichud. What is the source of this prohibition? The context of this pasuk has nothing to do with arayot or anything like that subject, but rather with idolatry. It says in the pasuk, ben או <אז> רק בסתר נאפשרה בסדתר למוד, נארחו ונעבדו לחיים אחרים אשר לא יודתי אתה um, it says your brother, the son of your mother, meaning your half brother, maternal uh, from the maternal side, um, or uh, these other relationships, um, if they should come and seduce you in secret and say, "Come, let's go do avodah right? Don't don't listen to them. All right. So the secret here, baseter, um, is uh, related to being being uh, in uh, in hiding together, being secluded together, and saying something about there's a distinction between the maternal brother and a Paternal brother. So that, now we're going to ask: uh, Is it only possible that a maternal half brother would um, uh, convince someone else to do idolatry, but a paternal half brother would not? Why make a distinction? Ela ben kol So it must be that saying this, because this is something that will happen when they are together, someone that's very close to you. It wants to say that even if someone very close to you says, Hey, come do do idolatry, someone that you would normally trust, um, if they say do idolatry, don't trust them, don't listen to them. So now who is some, that's someone that's very close? Well, that would be two maternal brothers. Why are they close together? Because they live together with their mother. Um, uh, and so you see from here that um, a, 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 a child is permitted, a, a child's son is permitted to be secluded with their mother. Um, uh, but, and, and, and the brothers, if there's more than one, the brothers will be secluded with their mother. And that is permitted. And that's what makes them so close. Um, and that's why the Torah says, um, this is, uh, you know, even your brother that you grew up with and you slept with, um, in the same bed and they're together and secluded with your mother, then the, you make sure not to, uh, to follow him. Uh, so you see here that it's permitted for a a son a a child to be secluded with his mother Um, uh, so from that since it has to go out of its way to say that this is permitted uh, for a son and a mother to be together so we see that otherwise they're not permitted to um, to be secluded together so we see that this is an exception to the rule from the exception we can learn the rule that generally um, a man and a woman are not allowed to be secluded together. Um, okay, and that would be for, true for anyone who's prohibited from each other. A mother and a daughter, uh, a mother and a son obviously are prohibited from each other, but they don't have attraction to each other, so therefore there's no prohibition for them to be secluded. Um, but um, uh, anyone else. Um, that uh, is, who is, who are prohibited, prohibited to each other um, are not allowed to be secluded together. So that's the uh, that's the source. It's not exactly an explicit source. Um, uh, mostly, Shonim consider Yichud to be deoraita because does quote it from quote it from pasuk. Rambam, as is his way, says just because you derive from pasuk doesn't mean it's deoraita. Could be, just be that this is a, 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 a an asmachta. Um, so Rambam considers Yichud to be didabanan Now, Pishate Rabbe Okay, the government itself knows that this is not the uh, contextual meaning of it. We just happen to learn roundabout. Since it says that this person is close, and that means that uh, the uh, mother and and their sons can be together, and therefore other uh, relationships cannot. Um, But what's the contextual meaning of the Pasuk? Okay, the reason in context that it talks about a maternal half-brother is because it's saying not only this, even that. I don't have to tell you that if you have a paternal half-brother, but they usually hate each other because paternal um uh, brothers are uh, competing for the inheritance so they're not going to trust each other so, you know, you're giving me advice this is some kind of bad advice you're trying to get rid of me um so uh, a person is not going to uh, uh, listen to his paternal half may not listen to his personal half brother um and so there you should make sure not to listen to him but the text say in addition to that even a maternal half brother where they don't hate each other cuz they're not they have different fathers so they're not that rivals over inheritance. And so there you might think that, oh, maybe I should listen to my, my maternal half-brother must love me, must be giving me good advice. No, if the advice is about idolatry, do not listen. So that's why in context, it talks about a maternal half-brother, um, but indirectly we learn that maternal half-brothers are close to each other, they live together, whereas paternal half-brothers do not live together, right? And that actually is another uh, another way to, to provide this proof that um, a son would not be able to live with his... Uh, with his father and stepmother, because that would be Yichud, for a son to be with his stepmother in, in Yichud. And that's why, um, if there was such a situation of divorce, and, and, um, and, uh, uh, then the son would likely stay with the mother, because Yichud is permitted there, but not with the stepmother, where Yichud is not permitted. Okay. Ne'em ha-matintin, de lo ke Aba Sha'ul. It seems that Amrishnah would disagree with the opinion of Aba Sha'ul. De Tanya. Kol שלושim yom yoseh b'chek v'negbar b'isha achat u'shne anashim. Ava lo b'ish ehad u'shne anashim. Aba Sha'ul omer, af b'ish ehad u'shne anashim. Abraita is talking about if a a child dies within 30 days. So don't, we, we don't have a big old big funeral um, uh, with a with a, a, a coffin and a lot of people coming and procession and uh, rows of, of comforters. That that's a general a funeral is going to be have all that all that ceremony. But for a baby that's less than thirty days old, um, uh, one goes without uh, without a coffin, but rather someone an adult will just hold the baby on um, uh, in their chest. And uh, you don't have to go with a lot of people but three people would be sufficient to uh, give uh, just a little bit of honor and now with those three people that go out you have to remember cemeteries in those days were uh, far out from the from the city so you'd have to walk uh, for quite a bit and you would be secluded secluded doesn't only mean in a room with a locked door it means even if something is far away from the city where there's no one around so to go out to the funeral procession it's uh, okay to have one woman and two men go, uh, maybe the mother is going to go, and then you know two other men um, to go and help out, do the digging, whatever. Um, uh, but not one man and two women should not go, um, and this is consistent with our Mishnah, uh, that one man and two women, then that would be Yichud. Abashul, however, says even one man and two women is okay. So it seems Abashul is more lenient and permits one man and two women, um, that as long as it's not one and one, that would be certainly according to everyone one man and one woman who are not who are prohibited to each other and not married um, would be prohibited um, but otherwise if it's three people seems abasha says it's okay so we say no not necessarily and the mishnah can be even according to abasha Sha'ol, and the time of a point of persons in mourning and the is a period after a person dies and before the person is buried, um, uh, there's called Onan. So, this is a cute morning. The person is very sad, thinking about this terrible tragedy that just happened to them. And so, their inclination to sin is broken. So, we don't worry about it. That's why Basha'ul says in this particular case, where, um, I mean, it doesn't say exactly who's going, but let's uh, presume that. Um, maybe it's the father, or maybe it's the mother, or both. or Well, if it's the father and the mother, then there'll be no problem because they're married. Um, but rather, if uh, let's say one of the people, uh, let's say this guy is the father and there's two other women there, we're not worried that he's going to sin um, because he is in mourning. And so that's why it's permitted. Rabbanan uh, say even at a funeral, um, still you cannot. Uh, you have to keep the laws of yichud. That a person's uh, is so strong it can even entice a person, even when a person is in mourning. And he learns it from this pasuk. onen adam chai, Literally, you know, how can a person make a make a claim or complain um, uh, a human uh, for his sins right I mean people everybody's guilty and so what complaint do you have to, can a person have to think that they're innocent and they have nothing bad deserving uh, coming coming to them? Okay, but the like is reading as follows Yit Onem, which really means to complain. Um, he's saying as Onen, right? So, well, what, what can an Onen do? Um, uh, after all, even an Onen has to give it, has to overcome his sins, right? Even uh, even an Onen cannot uh, uh, ignore the Yesed Hara. Even at the time a person is Onen, still his Yesed will can overcome him. And therefore, even if a person is going and burying his a, a, a dead uh, relative still he can't uh, violate ihud vabasho says no I don't read the, this pasuk regarding that I Abashul says when a person's in mourning they're not gonna their their spirit um, their yes it is broken. Rather, this pasuk is talking about someone who is complaining about God's ways, about God's justice and then the pasuk tells that kind of person, what What can one complain about God's ways? Do you tra- You think you were treated un- unjustly? Um, can you overpower your sins? Nobody can, uh, can claim that they are perfect. Um, life I have given him is sufficient for him. He deserves no more. So, a person has a life. Say thank you for whatever he has. And then, if suffering or death comes upon a person, what can a person say about it, right? Then, um, uh, no, no one can claim that they are perfect and don't deserve um, uh, anything bad coming to him. So, I reads it simply as a peshat and therefore does not learn anything about Aninut. But Rabbanan, iteta, uh, say, not so. Uh, they, as the, the Rabbanan, point to an actual case of a certain woman. Um, there was an incident, and she removed... Um, it's not clear what the incident was. Apparently, something like she uh, took, she had a baby that died, a relative that died, and brought out the uh, that dead uh, that dead person and went to the cemetery. Probably a baby, because then there was no one else there, and she was just her and some uh, and some man. And sure enough, they sinned. So we see from the, an actual story that happened that even a person who was uh, in mourning still um, uh, still sinned. And so in reality, we see that uh, a person's uh, yeser is still active in, even when they're sinning and therefore um, even uh, at a funeral a person has to keep the laws of aninut whereas a thought that um, at a funeral uh, one can relax the laws of aninut. The Mishnah said that one woman can be secluded with two men and because one of the men will make sure to stop and rebuke the other guy and not let him sin. Rav says this is only if you have kosher upstanding men um, who will make sure that the other guy is uh, doing the right thing. But if you have uh, a, a, a promiscuous men, then uh, even 10 people will not help, right? You have uh, a whole bunch, a whole group that they're all promiscuous, so no one's gonna gonna uh, stop each other. Uh, the opposite, they'll, they'll uh, encourage each other. So then the, that will not help with Yehud, don't be around. Uh, promiscuous people, and even in a big group, that's uh, even worse. And in fact, there was a case where 10 people took a certain woman who was, uh, who was dead, um, out they presumed that presumed dead, and they took her out, and they they all were in on it, they went out to the cemetery so that they could all sin. Um, so even 10 people who have a bad plan can cooperate to do evil. And Abiyosef says, look another example where you can have, let's say, uh, people want to steal a heavy beam and these 10 people to, to carry the beam. So you get 10, 10 thieves to join together and no one stops each other to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. This is not a good thing. No, 10 evil people will join up together. And all uh, do a sin together, so that's true. In stealing, is true in adayot. Also, uh, make sure that uh, you hang around people that are kisherim, that are trustworthy, that will set you on the right path. Um, just in case you uh, stumble, and only if you're around kisherim, then um, you can have uh, be alone, secluded. With two men and one woman. It seems that we can provide a proof for this statement of Rav that the two men have to be kosher men. Uh, we can provide a proof from the laws of sota. Um, if a man uh, declares his wife to be a sota, then the next step in, in a local town, the next step is that the man and the woman have to go to the uh the Sanhedrin in order to come to finish off the ceremony. Now, once a, a man uh, uh uh, claims his wife is Sota, they're not allowed to to have relations together, and so they can't be secluded together just in case. And therefore, the, bet, the local Betin will provide two Talmidech HaChamim to accompany them on the way. So, to make sure just in case the man and the woman are together on the way. That's what the Mishnah says. So, we can uh, derive from here: Talmidech HaChamim in Inasheda Almala. Only Talmidech HaChamim we put with them, not just regular people. So, isn't that a proof that? the uh, seclusion is allowed. They're going on the way. They might be going for for far and they have to stay in, they they might be on uh, deserted roads or they might have to stay in a hotel or somewhere together. So you you have to provide Talmud HaChami, meaning kosher people, that's when the laws of yichud uh, don't. Uh, uh, that's, that's when it's permitted to be secluded with one woman here, and actually there's three guys, Um uh, but they have to be tahamitah tacham, If you just send regular people, then it won't help because maybe those those people are promiscuous people and won't stop this the the husband and wife from being together. So it does is that a good proof for dav? And we say not necessarily. <speaking in Hebrew> now the reason why we send tahamitah is not not necessarily because um, they will make sure to stop them, But uh, really, to warn them that listen, don't do this. Otherwise, if the husband is together with his with his wife while she's sota, then the waters won't work. The sota waters will not have an effect, even if she's guilty. Nothing will happen because the uh, sota waters only work if he is innocent from all sin. If he sins by being with his wife after she's sota, then it won't work. So you need a that know the halacha that can tell him this, and that will prevent him from. Being with his wife, because otherwise people are familiar uh, with their with their spouses and may otherwise be together. So it's not necessarily a proof that you need uh, two men, um, but still, um, uh, Rav's, uh, Rav uh, is not a, not a, doesn't contradict the halacha either. And so Rav's law is a good idea that it should be kosher men and not promiscuous men. Baruch Adonai, olam. amen, v'amen.